0: Thanks for being here. Let's begin. In law, or any profession for that matter, the career you end up in isn't always the same as the one you set out to get. There are probably plenty of personal injury lawyers who started in corporate law, and there are probably plenty of environmental lawyers who thought they'd be criminal lawyers. Either way, sometimes the jobs aren't what we thought they'd be, or we just find something that's simply a better fit, but for a few, they know exactly where they want to be and how to get there and achieving their dream job as a matter of when, not if. And that is the exact position today's guest found himself in as he set out for law school.
1: When I started my first day at law school, I literally knew that I was going to be a personal injury lawyer. So how do I get there? And the answer is, well, you have to go to law school, you gotta pass the bar and all that kind of stuff. So for me, I wasn't the greatest student, but I interned my entire time there. I spent my whole focus on working at law firms. By the time I graduated, I personally would argue that I knew the business better than a lot of actual lawyers.
0: My guest today is Larry Nussbaum, president of and attorney at Nussbaum Law Group. Larry has earned a super lawyer rating and is a top 100 national trial lawyer to name just a couple of his many achievements. On today's show, We'll talk about why he wanted to become a personal injury lawyer, the importance of empathy to his firm, hiring and training the right people, and how you can improve your practice and much more. That's coming up on the Rankings Podcast, the show where founders, entrepreneurs, and elite personal injury attorneys share their inspiring stories about what they did to get to the top and what keeps them there. I'm Chris Dreyer. Stay with us. Larry's determination saw him land his ideal role straight out of law school. He put in a ton of hard work to get there. Now that he'd gotten where he wanted to be, he wasn't just going to let off the gas and coast through. His technical knowledge was growing, and so were his soft skills. And those soft skills were starting to gain additional clients for the firm, meaning that he was doing just as much lead generation as he was lawyering. There's
1: two types of lawyers is, you know, the trial lawyers and the guys in the background, and then there's rainmakers that bring in the case, or there's both. I like to think that I fall into the category of both. I am very capable of handling the files. I get very involved in all of our files. I was blessed from a very early start that I was a rainmaker. And so I was working at this law firm. I was bringing in at certain points, like 50% of the business, and this was not a small law firm. So eventually it came to the point where it wasn't, Didn't make any sense to, I had my own law firm within a law firm. I I had almost no choice in a good way. I had no choice but to open up my own firm. You know, it was a blessing and I'll never take it away. But most people that I know and a lot of that go out on their own, they're taking a huge chance, which I did, but they're going out on their own. They might even just work from home. They might rent a small office. I was blessed to have so many files that I generated that were my own. But I had to go from zero to 100 overnight and have a staff. It was me and two others day one. And very quickly, we had to add more. And I had no money to support all this. I opened up day one and we were, you know, a personal injury law firm with 250 files day one. Um, wow. so it's been crazy ever since. But again,
0: I look at it as a blessing. Yeah, that's impressive. So it's you, you nailed it on the head. It's, it's very rare to be that intentional. I went to college for, for business and then I ended up with a history degree and now I'm a digital marketer, you know? Yeah. Well, so you mentioned it. So I got to ask, so what was the why? What was the why? What, how did you know? So I honest to God and, and you know,
1: my, my mother still laughs at me, but you know, my, my parents took education seriously. And so I was going to a liberal arts school outside of Boston and you know, you get to that senior year and everybody's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I was scared. I had no real plan. And I looked around and I basically said, like, you know, the two coolest jobs that I thought would be for me, they were two people that I thought were just killing it, like Hollywood and for some reason, personal injury attorneys, not lawyers, personal injury attorneys. Like, and so I always still find that being a lawyer involves a lot of acting. and you know, that doesn't mean that we're fake and we're not genuine, but I'm a big believer that the facts are the facts and every lawyer has to deal with the same facts. So what separates the case? You go into trial everybody's got the same facts, those are a given. So it's the way you present them and it's, it's winning a jury. And some people don't believe in that, but I still believe you can win a jury and that's called acting. And so my mom, honestly, God, my mom basically was one of those where she's like, no, you're not going to LA for a couple months to give it a shot. She shot that dream down. So there was personal injury law, there I went. It's all about telling a story. And again, that doesn't mean we're not genuine. Doesn't right. mean that we're liars. There's a way to tell a story and it's not as easy as some people think.
0: I, I've talked to you, Larry, one other time before this interview and like instantly we connect and there's like empathy, EQ, whatever you call it. This is a huge, co- like, is, is that something that you just inherently had like empathy and EQ, like could well, connect? Every, everything I do, everybody
1: I work with, all our clients, um, I, I, have a personal relationship with. And again, it's one of those things where I, I would never change it. And I'm, I feel blessed to be that way. But again, there, there are times again, people, if you, if you do things by the book, like I'll turn away a case and I'll look at my phone at the end of it and 20 minutes in and lawyers will look at me like you just wasted 20 minutes on a case that you knew you were turning away 30 seconds in. And they really, it doesn't mean they're not good at what they do. I'm a social That's- person. This is how, this is, how did I get these cases? How was I a rainmaker? It was all this. I go into a restaurant and without a hesitation, I don't care who's got a billboard up, that server that served on me is going to call me before they call the billboard.
0: Wow. That's so rare. Yeah, I get it. So my next question, you know, when you started the firm and you've got like a hundred case files and you care, how difficult, like how does that process go to like hand it off to someone to delegate it to make sure it's their baby now?
1: Still, the hardest thing that I deal with on a daily basis is delegation. I think you know this, I, I talked to some of the most, you know, foremost experts in the field on this. This is how you scale. This is how you grow. And the answer is, you have to let go of certain things. And I've been unable to do that. I um, So to answer your question is, I come in on the weekends when nobody's here, and I'm on, the, on my hands and knees, looking at files, writing notes to myself about who I gotta deal with on Monday because like I'm very, very involved. Uh, some would say too involved, but again, I, I still fight that. I, if I'm losing some profits because I do too much work or I'm too involved, then again, I guess that's not a bad flaw to happen, but I'm trying to find a little bit of, of, a, of a happy medium. And again, it's extremely important to hire the right people. You know, your people are an extension of you. And again, I think a lot of times I, I was listening to a story the other day. That the guy had somebody he really wanted to hire, but he went with someone over ten thousand dollar discrepancy. And the statistics will show you, man, you would have made that ten thousand back over the course of a year. You you spread that out over over biweekly paychecks. You you're fighting over like seven hundred bucks. If the employee was really that good, they should make you more money. So no brainer. And that's hard for us business owners. It's hard to lay the money initially, but you hire the right people, they should pay for themselves and make you money.
0: One thing I heard you say, and I want to ask uh, about this, because this kind of relates to me too, is, you know, when I was looking at scale in our agency, it was, hey, do I productize things and scale by volume? You know, do do I make all these standard operating procedures and, and less ability to iterate? Or do I take a lot less and only work with the elite? you know, so it keeps it closer to me because I feel very similar to you. So where I'm going with this is, has that affected like your case selection criteria? Is do you, you know, some PI attorneys will take the soft tissue, you know, what, how's that affected your business in that regard? So
1: I love all my cases more than most. I've been practicing law now for about nine years. Were there cases I took my first year that I would never take now? Yes. I mean, if I could find a way to make a dollar out of a case, even if if I had to put more hours in than it was worth and try to find a way to get the insurance company, give me 1500 bucks. There are some cases now that again, I would not take, but those are still few and far and in between. I am very aggressive on uh, the cases we take. I understand the scaling model. I have a lot of friends that only handle these catastrophic cases. I have a little different take on it. And again, I, I, I find it hard to be like, yes to the easy cases and no to the hard cases. Like, what are you paying me for? Can I, can I get more money on your file? And do, do, I, do I know how to work the file better than the, the lay person that can handle the case on their own? Yes. But what are you paying me for if I only take the easy layups, right? So we, I, I pride myself in taking the hard cases and believe it or not, some of the shittiest cases that I've ever taken in have had the biggest settlements. And I don't know why I still to this day, don't know why. You get the right insurance company. Hey, my insured is self-insured up to 5 million. They want this over in a week. We'll give you a hundred grand. That you have to sign right now. You give me a hundred grand. I mean, I thought you were going to fight me to the death on this case. Um, and that's like a true story right there. That was a business choice they made. It was still not a good case. So I I still take a lot of stuff. I don't. I have a hard time taking the easy stuff and turning away the bad stuff. And then I'm also a big believer that your best referral sir source is always going to be your current clients and your prior clients. And so I've had many of cases where somebody comes to me and I'm like, why didn't this prior, they went to me third and nobody would take their case. And I'm like, I'm looking and I'm like, why didn't they take it? And I'm thinking, all right, they're thinking that for, you know, we settled this case for $3,000, the fees a thousand, they must be so rich or so particular that that's just not worth it to them. But there's no issue with the file. So I work my ass off on the file, probably even lose money on the file. But now that person's referred me, their mother, their sister, their brother, somebody had a bad injury in their family, so there was a big hit. So again, I I try to help as many people. I try to grow my network as large as I can. I do more than I should probably for free. But again, I I truthfully believe in the karma and that it will all come back.
0: Yeah, I love that. Long-term client value. I mean, one person sends you a good case down the road. You know, I'd also say that, You're pretty rare, right? Not many attorneys have your your trial experience. So when you go to court all the time, you're going to have the opportunity to get a settlement like that 100K because you're willing to fight it to the death where some people wouldn't.
1: Correct. There is an art to, uh, you have to keep the insurance honest. If they just think that you'll take their first offer, and I've heard stories, hey, the lawyer just took the first offer because they're worried about making payroll that week. You never want to make any decision on a file based on your own fee on that right you shouldn't have to be that reliable and believe me there are times where it would be nice to hey man i could use that money but you can't sell the client short and you have to keep the insurance companies honest and again it's one of those things where i'll say again i'm blessed i have a relationship with the with the insurance company where again once they know who what i am and what i'm about and i'm fear listen do i settle cases for three grand you better believe i do but I, I promise you that I also believe that that $3,000 is every penny that case is worth. Do I wish the case was worth more? Yes, but it's not. So that's not me giving up, that's me getting every last dollar. So I think the insurance companies value, you know, a lawyer that calls it as it is, right? You, you can't try to make a million dollar case out of every case. I, I don't talk to the supervisor on every case. If you, you know, it's like the boy who cried wolf. If you save him for the right moments, They'll take you seriously. It's a tough business out there.
0: Larry made some excellent points about the importance of empathy in gaining referrals and how his own firm has had to adapt as operations have scaled. He also spoke a bit about building the right team. So I wanted to find out more on how he finds the best attorneys and teaches them the ropes at Nussbaum Law. We adapt as we've grown and I've matured as I've had
1: experience, but I'll at least talk to you about how we do it now. And we've certainly changed and learned a lot about the hiring process. I now at this point have basically a running ad. I believe, you know, there's different levels of, of things, but if you can find an all-star and they're available, you got to take, them. even if you weren't planning on hiring, they're that hard to find. And again, you know, the other hard thing is that for small companies, You're trying to hire someone that can do it as well as you can do it. And like I said, that's true about a lot of businesses, right? You you have enough clients now, Chris, where you need to hire people to do exactly what you know how to do. Most likely, even the really good ones probably can't do what you do as well as you do. If not, they would own one and hire a bunch of people. So that's been something really hard for me to adjust to. So that affects the hiring process as well. I'm looking at these people. I'm like, can you do what I do? Can you replace me? And it's very hard. I found it's very hard to find an all-star out there. So yeah, we follow the model now that I'm always looking. And if somebody is that good, I will take them. And again, I I shouldn't admit it. I will overpay for them to a certain point, like the value they bring in. Resumes mean almost nothing to me. I'm looking for, I will take hard work and a good personality over any education I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are some of the things that like to take your knowledge and transfer that skill set, are you like passing down the books you're reading? Do they have coaches? Like what's going on with the mentorship there?
1: Man, I do things a little bit differently. So it's it's an organized madhouse in my office. I mean, we are, I'm 100% go all the time. I'm very, very, very involved. So if somebody comes to me with a problem, I'm used to saying, oh, wow. I mean, it took me 10 seconds to solve it. Let's keep it moving. So I was like, hell no. Uh, figure it out. What would you do? you know, and, and again, talk it through. So I've been trying to implement that. It's only been about two weeks, but uh, I'm a bi- I'm a big problem solver. I've learned that. But in terms of like, so I haven't done as good a job as I want to step back and let people make their own decisions. And again, sometimes that means you got to fall a little bit, and get, but if you get back up, you're fine. I've been hesitant to let people fall. So I step in. Cy uh, told me that's the wrong way to handle it. So I'm working on it. But other than that, I'm a big believer. Like I said, if you have questions, come to me. Other than that, I throw you right into the dungeon. Like, watch for a day or two and then go do it. Um I'm also a big believer. I I've, I've seen this a lot. It's interesting to me just kind of something that I've seen with with new lawyers. So this just grad, you know, again we get some young people in You just graduated law school. It's a great accomplishment. Again, this is no offense to the insurance company, but again, a lot of them are right out of college. Now, going to listen, I didn't, Going to law school makes me know better than anybody. You know, this insurance adjuster has been working there for 20 years, and the lawyer, hi, yeah, my client. I'm like, smell don't blood in the water. No, don't be afraid. You just got a law degree. You're representing the client, you're the lawyer. They're a representative of the insurance company. I mean, go get them. Um, and so I find initially it's really funny people that have great personalities and are loud outside of the office. They're intimidated at first by, like, oh, well, you know, this woman's been at the insurance company for 20 years. Well, I try to get them right in there and let them kind of, you know, our clients, you know, it's hard to deal with clients. Yeah. Right now, let me tell you, you know, the economy's going through a bad time. You know, I always call, so I can see two little, around, around Christmas time, we get an extra amount of calls from current clients. When's my case settling? How can I get some money now? We're starting to see that right now. And, and I always try to explain to my employees, you know, keep in mind who we're dealing with. You know, can it become a little bit much sometimes? Yes. Are these people in need and you're, you're their only hope? Is that why they're really calling us? Yes. So we're their, we're their
0: last call. Scaling your practice, the importance of empathy, developing a great team. Larry was full of great insights on how to grow a successful law firm. So for my last question, I wanted to know what advice he had for attorneys either starting out in their career or going it alone with their own firm.
1: So for young attorneys, I'm a big believer. Um, go out into your local neighborhoods. Go out. Listen, I get tired. There are times I don't want to be out. People look at my lifestyle sometimes. Oh, that looks like fun. It, uh, it's tiring. I'm not getting any younger. But I, I used to find myself, I was going to all these networking events, fundraisers, and I still do those. What I like to do is I like to do what I wanna do still, but I get interactive. So if I go to a restaurant, I mean, sometimes they don't enjoy it, but I'm talking up the waiter like they've never been talked up. I'm sitting at a bar for lunch, not drinking or whatever. And I'm talking to the, I become friends with these people. The doorman at the local hotel where I go for meetings, the valet guy, because I can't find parking in Boston, which is crazy. The meter maid who chases me around, right? I want to be out there. And again, I think too many people rely on these networks. So I go to a networking event and I remember, I'm like, wow, I'm at a networking event with a bunch of personal injury attorneys who do exactly what I do. You know, obviously you got to do good work. you got to do the right thing for the client, but regardless of what field you're in, but especially the personal injury, go out volunteer. You know, I used to volunteer coach. First off, I, again, I loved sports and I wanted to get back in. And it was also a fun way to get back in shape. I used to run the sprints and stuff, but man, You want to talk from a business perspective all these little kids parents they love me uh, and cases upon cases like i wouldn't imagine and again i you know i pick where i go i didn't go to the the privileged neighborhood i went to the underprivileged neighborhood and i'd buy them pizza after the after the game and to them that was you know the greatest thing ever they could get pizza once a month go out get to meet people get to know
0: people genuinely be interested in what they have to say It's incredible to hear how Larry has been able to utilize something as simple as empathy. Not only does it allow him to secure those all-important referrals, but it drives him to get great results for his clients. And best of all, that philosophy doesn't stop with just him. It's also instilled in his team and in his firm's culture. You've been listening to the Rankings Podcast. I'm Chris Stryer. A huge thank you to today's guest, Larry Nussbaum, for joining us. You can find all of the links from today's conversation in the show notes. And we want to hear from you. What do you think are some other soft skills essential to running a law practice? Drop us a review and share your thoughts. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.